From the largest global governments and health insurers to local hospitals and public health agencies from Sweden to Singapore to South Dakota, SAS Health helps the world get to a healthier future faster with advanced analytics and leading artificial intelligence and machine learning platforms. I'm your host, Alex Maersberger, and in season three of our podcast and video series, we celebrate those changing healthcare and life science for the better. Today, we get to celebrate and welcome Felipe Sotelo, a positive thinker with over 12 years of experience leading business reinvention at organizations including Johnson & Johnson, Teva Pharmaceuticals, Accenture, and PepsiCo. He's passionate about negotiation, problem solving, and implementation of innovative ideas to address supply chain disruption. As a business writer, his supply chainer report has over 6,000 readers where he challenges the status quo and reviews business trends. Felipe, with all the other demands on your time, uh, sort of infinite demands on time, thank you so much for spending some time with us today and welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Um, My pleasure to be here in uh, opening the third season. So yeah, thank you so much. So most importantly in your background and in your LinkedIn uh, profile headline, it says dad and husband, the only titles I care about. I think that's such a great example of priorities. Uh, And can you explain a little bit about what's behind that? Yeah, sure. Uh, Actually, um, I'm not trying to call any attention and I'm just trying to focus on what is important in my life. Uh, my wife is my biggest advisor, and my children are are the the biggest masters of of my life. Right, uh, I I see myself on on them, and I I admire how children are always discovering new things. You know, we as an adult we are always following processes and trying to follow paths, but the real innovation sometimes is in children. You just need to to look at them, how they are doing the things uh, with an unbiased brain on 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 the thoughts and how they talk. And and that's why I'm always learning with them. So yeah, for sure, that's that's a the, the, my best headline that I could I could write. Yeah, really appreciate that and really love that. I think curiosity is definitely our code, and we we sometimes lose a little bit of that as as adults. I share very Correct. similar sentiments with my my wife and kids. So you've led demand planning across industries and across countries. So everything from life-saving drugs to Nike shoes to bags of chips. Uh, Clearly, the pandemic has changed everything for demand planners. With now some of the restrictions lifted, what would you identify as the single most important change in demand planning because of the pandemic? Uh, that's uh, such a deep question, and and the answer, of course, is is complex. But um, I will say that supply disruptions, supply disruption for sure has changed everything about what was before and after the the pandemic. So um, you know, as demand planners in different industries, the the way you do the forecast is is pretty the same. It's very similar. You take some assumptions, you create your forecast, you create your analytics, and then you present it to commercial and you sign off a, a figure, you know, that uh, it could be for the next weeks, it could be for the next months. But uh, at the end of the day, the most important thing is your assumptions. And based on what you are uh, assuming that forecast is going to be in the future and what is going to happen for, for what you are predicting. However, Supply disruptions right now are the biggest um, the, the biggest factor that is uh, disrupting the quality of that forecast. So when you are having a forecast that is for the next weeks, 
you are assuming that something will happen in the future without taking into account that any supply disruption may completely break your the quality of your forecast. And that's something that is happening for all industries. Some of them more, some of them less. But definitely, uh, when you are predicting a forecast, you don't take into account that um, normally you will have issues in the supply or your competitor will be out of stock. These all factors are things that completely destroy the quality of your forecast. So if some of your assumptions are wrong, your forecast is going to be completely wrong. And after pandemic, what we are living is completely a scenario full of supply disruptions. Yeah, those assumptions you talked about, I think right now, obviously, we have to deal with uh, pandemic. And so there's disease, there's wars, there's also new ventures. Uh, a lot of capital has flowed into the healthcare space and other industries. In some ways, it's never been easier to get funding and start up a company. So disease, wars, new companies popping up. Is uh, the new company a threat to those assumptions as well? If you're trying to factor in other things, and then all of a sudden, you got a, a new competitor to worry about, how much does that play a play a part? Yeah, for sure, it's something that is is gonna change your assumptions. And if you take if you don't take into account the competition, what is gonna do on the next moves on the on the competition, your forecast will be the quality of your forecast will be completely destroyed. We shouldn't take it for granted that what is happening is completely new, Alex. I think that hundred years ago, in the beginning of twentieth century. Uh, in the second decade, they were living pretty the same. You know, they were after a uh, first world war, they were completely disrupted by the automobile, the gas and new ways of transportation logistics. So, for example, in the pharma business, uh, companies like Merck or Johnson & Johnson, they were pretty new right now. So uh, what we are living is not completely new. It's something that has happened in the past. But for sure, it's very important to take into account those competitors because in the next 20, 30 years, they could be the incumbents. Yeah. I love that perspective. I think looking at sort of what's old is new and it, it all comes full circle a lot of times. You've written about accuracy, agility, and speed, that there's that right mix at the right time of trying to get the accuracy right, uh, make sure you get the, the right amount of products, and then agility and speed. How reactionary is the supply chain right now? That's a good question because um, what I have been always seeing is that our supply chains are, defi are defined for being cost-effective. That's from, from the definition of, of our supply chains. And right now, what we are trying to find is reliability in, in those supply chains. So agility comes to the equation where actually our, work, our forecast cannot be perfect and cannot be more accurate than what we would like to, to have. So especially now in pandemic, we see that the forecast is not accurate as we would like for, for certain factors that, of course, are almost impossible to predict. So then reducing your cycle times, agility, everything what uh, adds speed to the market is definitely crucial for companies to, to continue their business. So right now, I think that is, is, is more important even than forecast accuracy. Forecast accuracy used to be the holy grail, but that's not happening anymore. And, and that's what I try to, to that's what I try to to present some for, for some business leaders in my in my article. Yeah, that so putting agility and speed over accuracy, are there examples of companies doing that right now that stick out to you? Definitely, definitely. I think this is not a hypothesis. And if we look at the data for some of the top players in the industries, 
we can see how in the public finance data, we can see the increases in inventory. Increasing your inventory levels, Alex, basically means that you are stockpiling or making tactical deals or increasing your safety stocks because your forecast is not working as you are expected. You know, so anytime uh, the forecast accuracy is harder to achieve. So we are increasing as top players uh, inventory levels in order to maintain those uh, customer services and the level of reliability in our supply chain that we are trying to predict. In my article, I put as an example, Amazon and, and Apple, okay. that both of them are clearly in the public financial uh, statements, increasing their inventory levels and as a consequence of, of an increase on their cost of goods. And is that true? Is agility and speed, maybe even over accuracy, true in life science and pharmaceuticals as well? Clearly in heavily regulated environments, you've got to deliver on the demand forecasting for all three, right? Accuracy, Correct. agility, and speed. Correct. 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 I mean, in pharma business, uh, we have a complexity added. That is the, the regulatory environment, as you have said. And that's something that most of the time, demand forecast cannot control what is going to happen in with this uncontrollable variable. So it's another complexity that we are adding to the equation. So as we have been speaking now, our forecast levels of accuracy are not good enough. So if you add more complexity, in this case, the environment, in, in the regulatory environment in, in our forecast, the level of the error is much bigger. So definitely in life science, at least in pharma, your forecast error is even higher because of these complexities. This, this basically what it means is that you need more agility than ever before. You have to reduce your cycle times in order to increase your, the level of the service in your customers. This is the, the complexity versus simplicity, I think, is a, a question I want uh, to explore with you because you've worked across industries and across countries. So for PepsiCo, for Accenture, where you had relationship with, with Nike and other retail brands, is it simplicity of industry or is it technology that's that much better? Or is it a mix of both that makes some industries much better at forecasting demand and matching it through the supply chain? So that's a that's a deep question, I will say, because I've been collaborating with several industries, several companies, and I would say that simplicity comes when you have a clear strategy of what you want to do. So if you have a clear strategy, your simplicity comes automatically from reducing any non-value added activities. From the other side, technology is something that visionary leaders decide to engage and decide to, to invest in order to achieve future future investments uh, to get better analytics. My response to this is I have seen both cases where there are companies with a very clear strategy, very good strategy, but not very good in technology and, and getting the data to, to support their hypothesis and their strategy. And I have seen the opposite. I have seen companies with a very good technology um, in, the, in their systems with a lot of analytics, with a lot of data, but without a clear strategy of where they want to do or where, where do where they want to go or where what do we what do they want to do with that analytics. So in my opinion, it's a mix of both of them. You need to have the clear strategy from your top management, but you also need the visionary leaders to invest in the best technology at, at each of the time. 
I like how you removed the industry, though, that even in heavily regulated industries, even in a life science or a healthcare delivery, um, and even in the retail shoes, that it, it takes people and technology, that it's it's not just sort of the magic mix, um, or it is the magic mix of both. Um, it's not just one thing that's going to put you ahead. And so I, I appreciate the the focus on strategy and and removing some of that complexity, even if it's there just industry-wide. Uh, let's talk healthcare very specifically. Early on uh, pandemic, and so sort of March 2020, it seemed like protective equipment, masks and gowns and such were, were difficult to find. Then it was vaccine ingredients and the cold freezers and the, the supply chain to store them in. Then it was antiviral drugs, testing equipment. Are those somewhat basics of the pandemic? Are they now covered largely? Or are we entering a sort of peak and valley phase of the healthcare supply chain? Will there be more cyclical demand challenges that come up? So, uh, Alex, every company is taking different strategies. But as we have said, the main focus now and the big change after pandemics to focus on reliability in our supply chains to deliver these products, these essential products, tech technological equipment for, for hospitals, protective equipment and so on. And every company is taking different strategies. However, especially in the life science and in, in this case in pharma, I will say that the main factor is supply chain shortages. So we will continue facing supply chain shortages. My prediction is that we'll be living this up until 2024, at least. So the situation will not get better soon. Companies are working on reliability into, into get those material on time. But believe me that this type of switches in their strategies don't take from one month, from one month to another. So it takes some time to, to change their strategies. So for sure, we will, we'll be living this, this next years as a supply chain of shortages about everything, not only life science, not only pharma. And I think this is going to be the new reality, the, the new reality. I needed some positivity for you or from you <laughs> that uh, we would we would be out of this a little bit faster. But 2024 sounds like a long way off. It sounds like there's going to be a lot of sort of finding out and setting new strategy. Yeah, I mean, uh, part of the article uh, that I wanted to share with industry leaders is the reality that we are living right now in terms of all the, the variabilities and complexities related to inflation, war, and many, many factors that will make these strategies really hard to accomplish. So as I said, companies are really focused, top players are really focusing on, on reliability. As we have discussed, the data is there with clear examples from top companies increasing the level of inventories to have these uh, products available for their customers and their patients. But um, I predict that until 2024, we will not uh, finish these supply chain shortages. Yep. There's also lots of headlines on sort of that globalization era is over, that individual countries are going to try to onshore and manufacture and have their own supply chains as much as possible. That can't really be true, can it? Uh, I'm a big believer of globalization. I think it's the biggest democratization tool for everyone, not only in economics, not only in business, but also people, generations that we, we are living right now with different countries. And there's no country that can live without, with, without another one. 
What I mean is that these are very geopolitical decisions and strategic decisions that for sure they are, they, they have the foundations on, on, on investments. And as I said, focusing on reliability. But uh, these are very top-level geopolitical decisions that uh, countries are considering to invest and to localize uh, industries, which I believe in some cases is a good decision based on privacy and security and so on. And it's going to be an interesting time. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly the answer, but for sure these are geopolitical decisions. Globalization is not is not uh, completely gone. It's, uh, I, I love the the quote in there that uh, you basically can't survive on your own, that you, you need other people. I think that's true in, in life and it's sort of person, personal-wise, and it's true country-wise. Sure. So I appreciate that perspective. One um, question I have for you, again, with the sort of headlines that we see, is around new normal or next normal. Um, you've talked a lot about just how much risk there is and how many assumptions have to go into the supply chain. Getting to 2024, we'll say that your prediction comes true, supply chains get a little bit more normalized, there's sort of that new strategy that's set. Is it, how is the assumption and the risk going to be factored in then? Will it be like, hey, this is the world pre-2020 and we're going back to these smooth sailing supply chains? Or is there going to be still a lot of turbulence from a, a country individual standpoint trying to source supplies? I don't want to be pessimistic, Alex, but I think the after the post-pandemic scenario looks quite different than than what we used to live before. As I said, our supply chain, as a definition, are based on on cost efficiency. What we are trying to to draw into the future is to have reliability in those supply chains, but also at the cost efficiency. So both of them will require a lot of effort. Additionally, companies are really involved in promising and having a green promises about a footprint and so on. So if you, if you can, if you can imagine that all these variables at the end land in the same complexity, that is your products will not be available because you have, a, you have inflation, you have shortages, you have localization, you have a lot of geopolitical decisions that by the end of the day, not only at 2024, but in the future, for sure, reliability will be a biggest, the, the biggest uh, key for all of the companies in order to get this uh, mitigation of supply chain shortages. Well, I'm, I'm glad we have your expertise on it, uh, because I think it, you mentioned just how important leadership and strategy the people are and then how important the technology side in it sounds like throughout your career, you've blended both. And so what's uh, and you you strike me as a, a very optimistic person. And you obviously talked about how important your kids are um, to you and to the future. What's one thing that makes you optimistic about the future? Ah, uh, that's a good question. Yes, because as a father, I want to live a better, better world for for our kids, right? And I believe it's very important to focus on, as I said, in our carbon footprint, in in sustainability. Supply chain leaders and top companies are really investing on that. So, despite despite of all these issues with supply disruptions and and shortages and so on, we we should continue. I mean, companies should continue investing in sustainability. That's, for me, the most important thing for the future. 
There's so much demand on your time. Thank you so much for listening and participating and viewing. We can't wait to continue creating a healthier future with you. There are so many real challenges in the world. We hope that wherever you are, there are ways to find and be the good around you. We welcome you to the conversation at our email address, thehealthpulsepodcast at sas.com, and here in the comments and YouTube. See you next time.